Hey, it's Kathy. I'm so excited because, drumroll please, doors are officially open to my program, The Abundance Method. I have been wanting to put this program out in the world for two and a half years. I've been working on it behind the scenes, and this is my signature program. This is the program that is going to teach you the method, the framework for how to become a master manifester in your life. Why is that? Because everything is vibration. We live in a world that is atomic. That means the world is made of atoms, which is energy. 99.9% of every atom is energy and less than 1% particle. So in order for us to manifest in our life, we need to become the highest vibe possible and to sustain that. This program is going to show you how to meditate and how to set your day on the right track so that you have a practice that can help you project your amazing energy into the world, which will bend the 3D, which will help you manifest in ways that you won't even believe. This is a transformative live 10-week program. It is designed to help you on this journey of spiritual awakening. It's going to give you tons of tools. I'm going to show you how to change your energy, master the manifestation once and for all, This is the first program of its kind. We're actually trademarking all of this framework because it is something that is so unique. And I think you're going to be so excited about learning it. Also, there are some bonuses right now. If you sign up, you're going to get an exclusive podcast so that you can be listening to this program. If you can't make the live Zoom calls, we can give it to you on a track so that you can be listening to it like you do a podcast. Also, you're going to get a pack of 10 meditations from me. And you're going to be getting a training that I just gave a workshop called Permission to be Rich, one of the best workshops I've ever done, which you will love. And there is a platinum level to this program. If you choose the platinum level, not only do you get extra coaching calls with me, you also get extra mentor support, but this is really cool. You also get a retreat included. My retreats are normally $3,000. You will get the retreat for free included. Plus, you will get a front row seat at that retreat because you will be on the platinum VIP track at the retreat. All of this is here for you. I'd love to see you in this program. I want to see you tapping in, turning on to that electricity within you so that you can find your way to the life that you were born to manifest for yourself. You can join us now at kathyheller.com slash join. I cannot wait. Get on in there. See what all the excitement is about. It's going to be so much fun. As soon as I set foot in France, I completely understood myself so much more. If you're a creative person, if you're a baker, a dancer, a photographer, a screenwriter, an actor, a comedian, a podcaster, and you want to figure out how to make a living doing what you love, this is the show. This is the show don't keep your day job. My name is Kathy Heller and I'm a singer-songwriter. I make a living doing what I love and I want that for you. This is the show that's going to help you do that and give you not only inspiration, but some real life strategies. This is going to help you figure out how to take your creative passion and turn it into a profit. This episode of Don't Keep Your Day Job is brought to you by Casper, an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the price because everyone deserves a great night's sleep. Get $50 off your mattress when you go to casper.com slash dreamjob and enter the promo code dreamjob. I also want to thank Slack for supporting Don't Keep Your Day Job. Slack is a messaging app that brings together all of your team's communications in one place, making work simpler and more productive. Go to slack.com to learn more. Well, hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Don't Keep Your Day Job. Have I told you how much I love you guys? I've been so blessed. I meet people on the street. I meet people at restaurants. People come over to me. They tell me that they love the show. They tell me that this show is actually making an impact. And I just can't think of anything luckier. Um, I can't think of anything better than to be 
here in your life that you guys give me the opportunity to play that role to remind you that you have something so brilliant to contribute to this world and it makes me feel so good to see you pursuing what it is that you feel called to do so thank you for being awesome thank you for supporting our show by supporting our sponsors Thank you for supporting our show by reviewing us on iTunes. Thank you for telling your friends about it. Thank you for all the shout outs on Instagram and Twitter. It really helps. It's kind of an insane thing. Like I sat down with my producers in September and they were so loving and supportive. They're like, yeah, Kath, this sounds like something you're really enthusiastic about. We'll um, we'll give you a chance. We'll, we'll make you a show. And I thought maybe we'd have like 10 listeners. Like I wasn't sure. And thanks to you guys, it's because of you. It's because of you, week after week, we've built such a strong, loyal, engaged listener following. And this has really become a community that is so passionate and so inspired, and it's a movement. A lot of you have gone to our Facebook page and our Facebook group, and you guys are posting what you're doing, and then people are quickly commenting and giving high fives and giving support, and I don't really know of any other place in the world where I've seen such an enthusiastic, supportive, loving community where people are putting themselves out there, they're being vulnerable, they're taking chances, they're taking risks, and it's absolutely inspiring. So I've got something I want to share with you. Um, Some of you have heard this. Some of you are on my email list. You're part of my email group, part of my tribe. And so you guys have heard already. But for those of you who haven't, so here's what's up. I want to interview you. I want to have you on the show. I want to have you here to tell your story and to talk about what you love to do and to talk about your process and what you've already done, what you want to do, what you're accomplishing, and how you've been integrating any of the things you've been inspired by from the show. So I had posted this thing about a three-month challenge that's still going on. The idea of that was that you'd go to the nodayjobs.com. That's www.nodayjobs, N-O-D-A-Y-J-O-B-S.com. And you'd sign up for this three-month challenge and people have already started and it's awesome. And the idea of the three-month challenge is to see you over the next three months actually taking action and doing stuff and writing things down when you're inspired by something our guests say or something I say, if if I should be so lucky, um, writing things down and then actually in- incorporating stuff. And the idea of that was that at the end of three months, I would interview some people and see where you come and see what you've been able to accomplish because I think that would be so inspiring to our listeners. Um, So my producer, Tim Street, my executive producer, Tim Street, he's so awesome. So he's like, what if we did a before and after? He's like, what if we had some people on before and we see a snapshot of where they are right now and then we interview them in three months and see what the show and what the support of this community and what your words and your guest words have been able to help them to do. And that would be so enriching and allow us to feel like we're really making an impact, which would be so awesome and fulfilling and rewarding. And I think it would mean that this show really is doing good work. So do you want me to interview you? Do you want to be on this show? Do you want to have massive exposure and also inspire so many people around you? You have to remember, yes, we're having very big celebrities on. Bobby Brown, who started Bobby Brown Makeup, is going to be on in a few weeks. Susie Cakes is going to be on next week. Susie Cakes, if you don't know, it's one of the most delicious chains of um, cupcake restaurants. So yes, we have people who are very established on the show, but it's also very inspiring to see people who are just starting to take those steps because have you ever heard it said that you know when, when you're trying to get uphill, the beginning is the hardest? So people who are listening right now, some people are sitting there and they feel stuck because they know what they want to be doing, but they're not actually doing stuff. They're thinking about it. They're nervous about it. They're scared that they might fail and they're not actually doing anything. So they're feeling frustrated. So if they see other people taking that risk, which takes 
massive courage. Let's face it, most people settle. And the reason I wanted to do this show is because I felt like so many people were unfulfilled. I don't know about you, but I grew up with parents and family members and friends and people who live down the block and people at school and their parents. I grew up around so many people who were so unhappy. And I felt like life had to be more than watching TV and ordering takeout and reading magazines. Like I just felt like that can't be why we're here. I was just reading an article on Forbes and it was saying how you're you're literally a miracle. Like I think it's something like there's a one in four trillion chance that you actually become a human being. Like, you know, I don't want to get too graphic, but the fact that that sperm met that egg and you became who you are and the, you know, the pregnancy went well and everything, the fact that you became something and and then that something turned into um, cells and that's, those cells turned into a, a human and that human developed and you became a person on this earth. The odds of that happening are so crazy, extraordinarily rare that we completely take it for granted. But if you are here, it is no accident. You have been assigned. You're here. You're one of the people in this tapestry. And not all of those little beings get to come to life. I know. I mean, I was one of those people who had to go through fertility treatment and it wasn't easy for me. And I went through so many rounds of doing stuff. And I I saw literally under the microscope how difficult that is. But I think so many people are unaware. It is a complete and utter miracle that any of us become who we are and we show up on this earth. And if you are here, you are here for a reason. You are here for a reason. And the thing is that most of us know exactly why we're here. We've heard that whisper. We've heard it calling. We've heard it our entire lives. We've heard it when we're four years old in that art class and something inside of us came alive. We heard it when we were eight years old and we were sitting at that concert. And for some reason, we just felt so lit up. We heard it when we were 15 and we were sitting at a Broadway show. We were watching these people dance and we were hearing this music and something inside of us spoke to us. So many of us have been hearing this our entire life. But what we do is we just, we push that voice away. That voice is scary because if we actually listen to that voice, we have to do the thing that scares us the most. The number one fear that most people have is the fear that we will fail, the fear that we will be stupid, that we'll look foolish. So we would rather quit than lose. We'd rather stop before we even started. And I'm telling you, if you even just start By starting in and of itself, you're now 70% ahead of most people. And then if you actually persist, you're now 80% ahead. And then if you actually stay in it and you hone your craft and you keep refining and redefining your approach and you keep looking at the strategies that have worked for other people and you start to implement them, you will get there. You will get there. It's a matter of staying in it, listening, trusting yourself, getting rid of the negative, the critical voice, and allowing yourself to play and be messy because let's face it, you're not going to make a masterpiece the first time out the gate. You've got to give yourself time to be messy so that you can actually practice. Have you ever looked at someone who's drawing? Like they go around and around in the circles and then the thing that they were sketching sort of starts to become something else. They give themselves that space to play. And it's the same thing with people who are doing anything. They're, they're a allowing themselves that space. And that's the space that takes the most amount of courage. That's the part where we have to trust. We have to let go. I was driving in my car the other day and I talk about this all the time because so often I'm listening to music in my car and I always find it so inspiring. I feel like people driving next to me must think, who is this girl who's always like in her car, either dancing or crying because she's so touched by what she's hearing. But I realize there's so many songs about letting go and 
songs about like how you feel when you actually just let go and you close your eyes and you you dance and you dance like no one's watching and things like that. I feel like we keep ourselves so constricted. We keep ourselves so stuck because we decide that that will feel too uncomfortable. That feeling of letting go, that feeling of creativity, it's like jumping out of a plane. Creativity is that feeling of the unknown where you don't force yourself to go in a certain direction. You just let yourself follow the music and you see what happens. And when you trust and you step out on faith and you just start trying things and you go into that open space where you're allowing things to happen as they're supposed to unfold, magic happens. Magic happens. And you discover that if you can stay in that and you can consistently be in that creative space and awaken that part of you that doesn't need to control things, and can actually just try stuff and allow yourself to not be perfect and just see what happens in the experiment of the imperfection, you're going to find amazing stuff. You're going to notice that you're really brilliant and you're going to realize that that whisper is not something that's insane. It's not so off. It's not unrealistic. There's a reason why it's there. You know, I asked people on my email list, I said, do you want me to interview you? You know, I put this idea out there to the, the email list and now I'm putting it out there to you. If you want me to interview you, go to nodayjobs.com, N-O-D-A-Y-J-O-B-S, go to nodayjobs.com and sign up because I'm going to choose several people and I'm going to interview you now in the next couple of weeks and then I'll interview you at the end of three months. And don't worry if you don't get chosen this time because we'll do this again because it's so awesome to connect with listeners and to connect with all of you. But I ask people, Do you want to be on the show? And there's a few requirements. One of the requirements is that you commit to doing stuff, that you actually decide that you're going to allow this to be a gift and allow this to keep you accountable and take action and do stuff. And so you commit. The second thing is that I just ask you to tell me where you're at, what you want to accomplish. And it's amazing to me how every person who writes back has a different dream. One person wants to be doing graphic novels. One person wants to open a bakery. One person is opening an Etsy shop and she's knitting. One person is making a comic strip. One person is creating um, skateboards from scratch. Just amazing. It's it's powerful when you step back and you see it as I've been so blessed to see as I have this relationship with all of you, which I'm so thankful for. You really start to see that everybody is here for their for their own specific reason and each person is contributing something that's so vital and i've said it before but i know it's so easy to poo poo the thing that you dream of doing the thing that you can spend hours doing and the time just rolls right by and it's so easy to, how weird is that that that's the thing that we start to poo poo that's the thing that we say and eh, that's not realistic the thing i'll actually do is go get this job and sit at the desk and i'll sell insurance or i'll actually work at whatever If you want to do something so helpful to me, if you want to help me live out my dream, and my dream is helping other people do what it is that they love, then support us by supporting our sponsors. That really helps. And also talk about the show. Tell your friends. Say, I really think this show is going to inspire you. Post about it on Facebook. Post about it on Twitter. I'm at Kathy Heller, C-A-T-H-Y-H-E-L-L-E-R. I'm at Instagram. I'm Kathy.Heller. But post about it. Let people know about it. We want to make a movement. I don't want to see people on fulfilled. I didn't want to see that anymore. I grew up in a house where I knew that my mom dreamed of doing something with her music. She dreamed of it and it was haunting her and it made her feel such a pain inside because she lived for it. And when she was singing, the world just stood still and she was so happy. It was so easy for her to be happy if she just had a microphone in her hand and she was singing things that she felt were, you know, connecting with other people. That's all she wanted. And 
I saw a person who was unfulfilled and I saw a person who had talent. I saw a person who had that ability and I saw how she, you know, didn't necessarily pursue that and make herself happy. And I saw how that really took its toll on her and how much anxiety and depression comes from just avoiding the simple thing, which is so obvious. You know what you're here to do. So let's listen to that whisper. Let's put one foot in front of the other. And hopefully the things that these guests will share with you week after week are tangible things that you can start to do so you don't feel so overwhelmed, so you don't feel like you're spinning your wheels. I feel like one of the things that's so awesome about the guests that we're hearing is that there's a lot of consistencies in terms of just the psychology behind it. Like try stuff, start, be persistent, keep honing your craft, ask people for feedback and and implement the things that people are saying into what you're doing. And then there's certain tangible things that people are talking about, whether it's using Etsy or whether it's putting yourself on Facebook or creating content or using Instagram or connecting with your fans in an organic, genuine way. But there's so much here. It is so doable. And week after week, I am here to remind you of what you were put here to do. And I feel so blessed that you've given me this role. Thank you for letting me have this seat at the table. Thank you for coming here week after week. I do not take any of it for granted. I want to continue to connect with you guys. I want to continue to meet you. We're going to be planning some stuff live so I can meet you in person. Um, But it's really, really exciting to see all of you listening to what you really want to do and being reminded that it is so doable and that it's a must. You live the lives that you have to have, that you you decide, I can't tolerate it any other way, and it's time. This episode of Don't Keep Your Day Job is brought to you by Casper. It's an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the price because everyone deserves a great night's sleep. True story, my husband and I have now gone through seven mattresses in the eight years that we've been married. We started off, we each had a queen mattress and then we got we moved in together. So we each got rid of our mattresses that we both really liked and we tried mattress after mattress after mattress and we just couldn't find anything we liked. Um, so I'm really excited to find Casper because I feel like this is something that's going to really help solve a lot of problems. Casper is revolutionizing the mattress industry by cutting the cost of dealing with resellers and showrooms and passing that savings directly to the consumer. Casper's mattress is made of supportive memory foam for a sleep surface with just the right sink and just the right bounce. Plus, its breathable design sleeps cool to help you regulate your temperature through the night. You can buy it easily online and completely risk-free. Try sleeping on Casper mattress. Casper understands the importance of truly trying out a mattress that in all reality you spend a third of your life on. Casper offers free delivery and painless returns within a 100-day period. Wow, 100 days? So you don't have to lie down in a showroom. And did you know statistically lying on a bed in a showroom has no correlation to whether it's the right bed for you? Casper's mattresses are made in the USA. Free shipping and returns to US and Canada. You can save an additional $50 towards a mattress purchase by going to casper.com slash dreamjob and entering the promo code dreamjob. That's casper.com slash dreamjob and promo code dreamjob. Terms and conditions apply. So we also want to thank Slack for supporting Don't Keep Your Day Job. Slack helps you organize your team with real-time messaging, video or voice calls, group file sharing, and searchable archives, all in one easy-to-use app. I use this right now with my team, and I love it. We can drag files in there from Dropbox. We can tag our messaging in different ways, and it really helps be able to go back as opposed to having to search through your text like, oh yeah, where was that again? It's all in one place. If you're someone like me who uses Google Drive and Dropbox, well, Slack lets you drag and drop file sharing that works with the apps you're already using. So it's great. Slack, where work happens. Find out why at slack.com. That's slack.com. So like a lot of girls my age, I've been shopping at Anthropology for a long time and I just feel so good in there. It smells so good. Everything's so pretty. It's just 
a really nice experience. And one of the products that's been in anthropology for a long time is called French Girl Organics. It's like perfume and they have like scrubs and all kinds of different serums. It's like the best stuff. And I was so excited when the founder of French Girl Organics, Christine, uh, said yes to being on the show. And she was so delightful. And I'm so happy you're here today, Christine. And we're going to dive into your story. It's really cool. You know, we have all different kinds of creative people on this show from famous novelists and people who own like next week, we have Susie from Susie Cakes, um, which is a huge, awesome, delicious cupcake. Uh, she has a bunch of stores. We have all different kinds of creatives. And I love that we have someone on today who loved botany and, and loved making fragrances and soaps and salves. And um, Christina's here to tell her story. She's been featured in Vogue and Interview, W Magazine, Bazaar, Huffington Post. Uh, she's now working with Gwyneth Paltrow's company, Goop. She's awesome. You know, she's almost grossing a million dollars. I mean, I think it's just fantastic to be able to do something you love uh, and make that much money doing it. And she's now in every single anthropology store in North America, and she's in a lot of other places. But Christina's here. I'm so happy that you're here, and I want to dive into your story. All right. So, Christine, I'm really glad that you're here. Thank you for taking the time. Thank you. I love your brand. I love the aesthetic. I love the way that you've, you know, sort of put it all together. It's so beautiful. And I love the way it smells. I love all the products. Um, I've been a fan. I've seen your stuff in anthropology for years. So let's go back to the beginning. How did this start? When you were a little girl, were you like making, you know, putting the other flowers and making perfume? Where does this begin? <laughs> I, w- I was very fortunate to be raised uh, on the coast of Washington. Uh, on an oyster farm, actually. And because of that, we were, as children, my five brothers and sisters and I were just submerged in nature. And not only the sea, but also there were beautiful cedar forests that surrounded our house. And my father always gardened. And I've often mentioned that my earliest memory is being in the garden, in the pea blossoms, with (laughs) bees buzzing around. And I literally remember that smell of, uh, it was almost like a smell of like honey and the pea blossoms mingling. And it's... That is my first memory. So Wow, that's I, so beautiful. How lucky. <laughs> I think I was destined to do this. I took a lot of different avenues, but I I ended up back sort of where I began with that very early experience of of feeling and smelling nature at its wow. most pure and it always has stayed with me i completely so took a lot of detours as i said oh i want to hear all of it i want to hear all of it um so so okay so you're going through elementary school were you doing anything creative at that time oh there was not a day that did not go by uh we were a very uh let me put it like this we were of humble means and uh My father uh, worked extremely hard uh, on the oyster beds, and so we spent a lot of time with him, actually, in his little laboratory and then out on the water. And we were always 
inventing things, my brothers and sisters and I, because we we didn't have a lot of other distractions. There was no television or there obviously were no video games or cell phones or so we really our our playground was literally the fields and the forests and the water and out of that we would be creating all sorts of things i can remember my brother and i had this whole world in the forest itself that we had kind of created with layers of moss and we built these little dwellings and made all the all the little furniture that went in them and so yes oh, so cute <laughs> so that's, that's amazing so so what happened next so when you were in high school what did you think you wanted to do when you grew up what were, what were you headed towards well i came from sort of two different disciplines in my family one was very very naturalistic botanical scientific kind of end and then there was also both my parents were jazz musicians so I also had that very strong inspiration that came from them to be involved in music which I was so that was a big part of my life I was always in choirs and learning to play instruments but the scientific end of it sort of won out for a while and uh Definitely my interest was was very much in into botany and and biology when I was in high school, uh, along with music, those two things together. So when I went to university because that totally shows up in your brand. That's awesome. <laughs> okay, so keep going. Keep going. So, so you- yeah. So when I went to university, I actually began as a pre med student and spent almost five years in undergraduate pre-med work. Um, Yes, but that being said, all my best friends were musicians and in the music department. I worked in the music department. I was submerged again in the music department. I studied ethnic music, was fascinated by other cultures. I think it really started with my mother. My mother was Cajun French, and so we from New Orleans. So we had that that strong sort of tie to to New Orleans, of course, but also the old world, you know, the the world of France and other cultures that surrounded that. So I was fascinated by other cultures and the music of other cultures and uh, language of other cultures. And so those two those two factors were sort of at play during my young adulthood and and I finally sort of saw the light and realized that I didn't want to spend the next 10 years in school in medicine and decided to just finish graduate and see what happened and that's what I did okay so what happened oh what happened (laughs) Uh, (laughs) you've got to remember this was the 70s and uh very, very exciting time for people, young people. So I, along with about five other teachers from the Seattle area, decided that we wanted to start a school for kids that would be based on some of the education principles of 
a school in England called Summerhill, which was at the time considered a very radical concept, but it was basically a, a school that allowed a child to progress at their own rate and also to sort of use the world as their classroom. And so, of course, that appealed to me immensely. Right. Yes, of course. So I spent the next almost three years uh, in Seattle working on this school, having students. We started the school and uh, it was an amazing experience because I got to be with kids from about three up until 13 years old. Uh, and just explore the world with them in wow. essence. Yeah. Wow. So what happens? Cause this is all of these things are so different. Like you said at the beginning, <laughs> you took different paths. So what was the next thing you did and why did you do it? Three years of working on this was, was pretty intense. We were getting a little burned out. And so three of the teachers and myself decided that we would take uh, seven of our students to Mexico to live for a while. So, so we were able to do that. We, the adventures of, you know, 10 people crammed in a Volkswagen van <laughs> in Mexico, most of them under 15 years of age. So right. that we did take them to Mexico. We, we stayed in a small town for about a month and a half with many adventures, as you can imagine. Right, uh, right. And at some point, we realized we did have to get these kids back to their parents. Uh, <laughs> and although the parents were completely fine with it, and we did, we returned to the U.S. But just before we returned, our van died, literally died in the Mexican desert. And we had to be towed across the border, which we were towed, and we sort of dispersed the kids, sent them home on a bus. And of course, this being the 70s, it, you could hitchhike anywhere, pretty much. So okay. because of monetary concerns, the three of us, the three teachers, each took one of our kids and hitchhiked home with our child, with that particular wow. child. Yeah. Many adventures ensued between there and getting home, especially for me. And the most exciting part of that was that I ended up meeting my husband, my now husband still after oh my 40 God. some years. Yes. Oh my God. On the road, hitchhiking with a three-year-old. <laughs> um, so we met each other in Santa Barbara. And uh, definitely that trip was one of the huge factors that completely changed my life. So going and taking a risk like that, going to Mexico, that's been a big part of my life is just taking those chances. Sometimes they don't work out. Sometimes they do. Interesting. Oh, boy, this one worked out in a big way. And uh so we met each other, eventually got together in Seattle. We started a family, and and I was able to kind of really satisfy that part of myself that was very much wanting to do a, a very back-to-the-land type mm -hmm. uh, existence, which we did for many years. We lived on farms. We raised goats. I learned every craft under the sun, because pretty much you needed to to right. to make it 
I learned how to knit. I learned how to sew. I learned how to preserve food and take care of animals, to garden, uh, just you name it. I learned how to do it. So as part of my back to the land, do it yourself type thing, I learned how to make all kinds of preparation, tinctures, salves, any kind of product that we needed for our home and for our animals, actually, I made. And so I had to learn about herbal things, which fit completely into my my whole focus anyway. I had a really yeah. deep love of plants. So that, that became a, a big field of study for me. And I, I spent years learning about wow. so many different kinds of plants, plants from all over the world. And so I had a, I had a pretty deep background in that for years. And I actually started at one point making and selling my products. And so, as I said, this was still in the 70s, early 80s. And I used to sell my products at food co-ops, you know, just things that that people would need simple lotions and things for health care like for cuts and salves and things like that i was always making and selling my products that okay. so if there was a history of that i knew i had the skill to do it and the knowledge and uh so it was a you know it was a nice little adjunct to the family income right and it, yeah, and it was necessary. I mean, it's what we used in our house as well, and was great. But that went on for quite a while. I mean, our we moved back, and um, I started uh, working with my sister, who at that time owned a floral business. Wow. So that was that pretty much fit right in. And then there's you know there's a few moments in your life when you go, hmm, I can see how something changed here and it made a huge difference. Yes. And that that event was that we decided to finally go to France for the first time. Wow. And mm -hmm. wow. Yeah. 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 And I my whole life had been dreaming about going to France because of course. Yes, yes. That you was know, your heritage. Yeah. It was my the, heritage yeah. on my mom's side. And I remember being so fascinated with it. I, as a child, I read a lot, uh, of course, because we didn't have a lot of distractions. And I remember my parents had something called the Book of Knowledge. I know that sounds so funny, doesn't it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but one of the best things about it was that it had, it had separate uh, books about different countries. And I was completely, I must have read the France book a hundred times wow. and stared at the map. I can remember staring at the map and looking at it and just wanting to be there. But it took us a while. But we got yeah. there, and that's, yes, we got there. We've been going there about 18 years now, and something happened to me there. And it was, yeah, maybe it was the DNA talking, or I don't know, but I swear, as soon as I set foot in France, I completely understood myself so much more. And why I was the way I was, why I looked at the world as I do, I'm 
I very much passionately care about beauty and not necessarily order because that sounds a bit uh, structured, but there is something about aesthetics. Wow, and, and so and, fascinating. It's amazing. Yeah, I literally, you know, could not believe my eyes when I arrived in France and I went, yes, this is why I am the way I am. Yeah. And Wow, the puzzle all fits together. Yes, it does. And I think some of it is, it's inexplicable, I guess. Yeah. Uh, as I said, I felt something happened with my DNA. I really do. I, I, I believe in that. I think that you resonate with certain experiences. Yes. You can feel it at a cellular level. Yeah. And wow. Also, the smell. <laughs> what yeah. can I say? I had so many experiences there with fragrance and, and scent. And I'm not just, I'm not talking about perfume at all. I'm talking about the way the the salt from the sea smelled or or the pine trees on the edge of the Mediterranean. I don't know if you know this, but I wrote, I was deeply involved in the knitting world for years um, before (laughs) I started French Girl as a, as its incarnation right now. But I wrote about this in one of my knitting books and was sitting nightfall um, way up in the mountains in the Pyrenees and I'm leaning against this wall and it's plants you know they're kind of inconspicuous little green plants and it's a stone wall and the sun's going down and there's smoke in the valley and and uh, the dogs are barking and you know you could you could smell the Mediterranean literally up there even so and I was leaning against this wall and all of a sudden I smelled the smell like I've never smelled before it was it was jasmine (laughs) that was on the wall that I didn't see that was just starting to open oh it's night blooming jasmine it's kind of again that's sort of like the pea vine you know experience when I was a kid it was and I think that just really changed something in me about what I wanted to do with my life not so much thinking about the perfume aspect of it or the you know the making products it was more that I wanted to capture somehow everything that I'd experienced in France and you know, convey it, to create right. something that would convey my my feeling that I had there. Yeah. So when I got back, I was kind of going back to the well, so to speak, and just asking myself, what do I love to do? What makes me the happiest? And of course, you know, there were all those things, plants, nature, uh, design, uh, creating something beautiful. And so that, for some reason, I did not initially latch onto the idea of creating products, even though I'd done that for years. It yes. was more because I had started knitting again. I felt, hmm, I want to see if I can distill all these ideas that I have of of sort of femininity and, and uh, beauty into knitting design. And I did that for, gosh, how many years? I, I probably five or six years I was doing that full time. But 
I realized that I needed to do something much more, I think, along the lines of what my true first loves were, working with plants and creating really beautiful experiences for people when it came to those kind of products. So that's where it all started was it was around oh I'd say 2009 so eight years ago or so yes yeah yes. yeah so you started out of your house just started making I stuff. did I did I had no idea what was going out on out there in that kind of the world you know because I'd been away from it for a while right. and a friend of mine told me about Etsy. They said, oh, you should check out Etsy. We have an Etsy shop. And, mm -hmm. you know, and she said, yeah, you might like it. And it would be a really good place. And I thought, I, in my mind, I thought, hmm, Etsy's just a place for people who were doing like hippie handcrafts or something. Uh -huh. I was wrong. So, so wrong. And I'm not ashamed to admit it. But uh, <laughs> Etsy is and has been amazing for us. It's just been a great platform for us to get started. As you know, from talking to a lot of entrepreneurs and people who start things, it takes time. It takes time to develop your, sort of your voice and really hone in on perfecting what you do and, and making sure that your story comes out loud and clear and luckily, I had that right from the get-go. I did have a story. I did have my my roots. And I think that's really carried us, the company, along every day, that we always have that to go back to. You know, I have a very, very deep history with how this brand was born. And, you know, eight years ago, again, it was very different. Social media wasn't as strong as it is now as... Right. You know, so I had Facebook, which was helpful. And I also had a big mailing list, which I used to really use to, you know, to build up a following. And that I think those two things at that stage in history were really helpful. Now, it's if I were to do it now, it would be a completely different what were some of the types of things that you would send to your mailing list or post on Facebook that you think? Uh, every time that I would create a new product, because basically I started with maybe five products. Mm -hmm. uh, since I was doing it all myself, I was all the fabrication, all the bottling, all the labels. That was the thorn in the side, you know, labeling. Sure, sure right. Yes, of course. <laughs> and uh, just trying to reach out to people, connect with people also on Etsy who are other makers and support one another. I joined a lot of the Etsy uh, groups and just tried to connect with people and collaborate. And then what happened? When did you start to feel some real advancement? What, what, what was the first big thing? Was it like that you had an article written about your stuff or mm -hmm. were you asked to sell your products in a store and get some wholesale gigs? What was the next big jump? I think one thing that helped is Etsy used to have a, I don't know if they still do, but they would, they would have a, where they'd feature a product maybe in their email or. They still have that on the homepage. They'll feature some of their favorites. Yeah. yeah. 
So that happened once for us, and that really made a huge difference. We started getting more people who, you know, who followed our shop and who shopped, and it was fantastic. And we kept building on that by we added more products. And after that, I think there, re- there was a point. I think there was just kind of this point, maybe after the first... I would say two years. Uh-huh. I know that seems like a long time, but again, we didn't have the kind of social media that we have now where you can yeah. post on Instagram and you've got 50 people, you know, right. dashing over to buy something. That it took a couple years and I really felt like I started getting a following and people started talking about us. We still were only selling retail at that time, just through Etsy, that's all. And I very, very, very slowly started to go out into the world a bit. Um, here in Seattle, we have a, a really excellent network of craft fairs, especially one called Urban Craft Uprising. Oh, cool. And we did that uh, festival for, oh, I'd say about three years. And that really helped spread the word, at least locally, about us. Mm. Also, the Renegade Craft Fairs as well. We did a few of those. But it was all very localized. It was all here. And I think where our biggest jump came was when we decided to move to wholesale, which is about three, little under three years ago. And that decision, it was a big decision because it meant production, more production. And it's also the point about three years ago when we started hiring people because I was doing this all myself for five years. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Yeah, really. Oh my gosh, yeah. (laughs) I know. It sounds crazy. I look back and go, what? <laughs> yeah, that's a lot. That's so much. So so you started to do wholesale. What was your first wholesale big account that you got? Well, actually, um, we got a, a few like local accounts here. But what happened was that we were contacted actually earlier by Urban Outfitters uh, for a few of our products. And we did that. It didn't work well. Urban was not a good fit for us, even though Urban is the parent company of anthropology. Yeah. They're a different demographic. Definitely, and, yes. and anthropology is much more our our girl, so to oh, speak. Yeah. yeah. Like this, it's like the same almost to me. Yeah, we are the same. And yeah. How did they find you? Uh, Through Etsy. So really, Etsy has been the conduit, really, for so, so many of our retailers reaching out to us. It started with anthropology, and that was our first really, really big wholesale order. I had three employees by that time, and we had finally moved into a tiny little, like, 700 square foot studio which oh is gosh. huge for us that seemed oh huge gosh. and we did that anthro order and that was it that how was it that? how many how many jars or lotions oh gracious sakes alive <laughs> thousands Thousands. thousands. I can remember. And we had really no equipment. I mean, we did some equipment. I know. 
to speak of, and they picked up about eight of our SKUs, and uh, we made literally everything. Well, we still make everything, but it's different. We have a few little machines to help us now. <laughs> I would hope so. Yeah, so, we're, so. we're working on some getting some bigger ones. They've suddenly become too tiny for us. Oh, my God. So, uh, so after, when did anthropology start? Was that 2000? Maybe 2014 okay. or so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, so, and then did more retailers come on besides anthropology? Yeah, it, I think that our visibility at anthropology really helped. And we started slowly adding more retailers because... We were small. We were very small and couldn't handle huge volumes like that too often. But we got bigger and we started ordering more bottles and more raw materials. Wow. And yeah. And so, uh, what other stores are you in besides anthropology? Oh my. <laughs> wow. We are now in every North American anthropology store, which oh, is. Oh my God. And they're broadening their SKU um, assortment from us, which is really exciting. Uh, we love working with them. It's, you know, they're our oldest and, and most really valued uh, partner. But uh, that being said, we have started to expand pretty rapidly now to some major department stores. Most recently, we are, we're going to launch at Neiman Marcus. Oh my gosh. We're launching at Neiman oh Marcus in June. I know. That's amazing, Christine. I'm, That's so amazing. <laughs> I'm I'm still like, what? <laughs> Again? Wow. Yeah. Wow. So we've been very, very careful um, in choosing our retail partners because we really feel strongly we don't want to oversaturate an area or we just want to be very mindful of that. And we work with very small independent boutique, indie beauty boutiques like Fulane in uh, the East Coast. They've mm -hmm. been an amazing supporter of ours, as well as uh, Catbird in uh, New York City. I believe they're in, I think they're in Brooklyn. They've been a supporter of ours like way from the beginning. They do beautiful jewelry and very curated goods and we have a whole group of these wonderful indie beauty and also um, sometimes clothing boutiques that we work with and we love having them as partners. We're also on revolve.com. Revolve is a women's clothing brand um, website. It's really well known. Um, we have a partnership now with Goop. If you're familiar with yeah. Goop, they're the Paltrow's lifestyle outlet we work yes. with them really closely um we're on their website we're actually in nordstrom right now as part of the goop uh wellness pop-up wow. that they yeah they have until i believe it runs until june at selected nordstrom stores throughout the country wow. and we're now expanding into canada we we're going to be carried at the bay in canada which is the hudson's bay company which is one of their largest department stores. How fantastic. How I fabulous. And it couldn't, it couldn't happen to a nicer person. Oh. You're so, you come from such a genuine place and you have Thank completely you. done what you set out to do. You definitely mm -hmm. have carried over all of that beauty and 
and the light that that aura that you get mm. from France you you've communicated mm. that how many employees do you have now we are now counting ourselves we're upwards of 14 employees which is small it's actually a small staff maybe 15 i take that back <laughs> 2 years ago too something that really vaulted us into a different echelon of business was that we started working with someone who is started as our brand advisor and who actually has been in business for involved in building brands, helping brands for years. And we've worked with her for two years now, two years plus, I should say. And she's based in Vancouver and she used to work with a lot of different brands, but We've slowly won her over <laughs> and she is now exclusively working for French Girl as our chief operating officer and and she has made it's just light years of improvements in our business and helped us and will continue to help us run our business so efficiently and so well. So and I mean if you have fourteen employees, fifteen, and mm-hmm. you've won over somebody you know, who's that special, the brand must be grossing hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars. Mm. We yeah, we're on goal. We we hope we're on goal to, to break that million dollar mark this year. That's, or plus, plus that oh, because of some of the deals we have. We have a lot of like, as they say, um, old school expression, a lot of irons in the fire right now and that I I cannot really discuss. No, you can't. I know what that's like. Uh, But it involves, let me put it like this, it does definitely involve Europe and the Middle East and uh, Oh my goodness. Let me just put it like that. Can you you believe you started out this little girl running through the fields and now you have a company that's basically grossing a million dollars and it's probably quickly going to be grossing 10 times that because you're expanding at a very rapid pace. Um, Doing something, doing something you love. Do you love it? Do you love, love, love it? I love it so much that I, I have this deep well of gratitude every day for it. Even when it's like, the worst (laughs) even when things are totally screwing up and that just to me shows that this is something that i was just basically born to do and yes in the midst of the worst catastrophe i can still be so thankful i'm so grateful for our team we have just the most special wonderful team of mostly women that are working in various aspects of the business that that are just giving 110% every day to it and just being so completely firing on all cylinders you know wow. that's yeah, yeah you know you started out by saying you were a girl from humble means when was the moment that you went oh my god things have really changed and how did, how did that change your life? Being able to make a really good living doing what you love. How did that change yeah, your life? Yeah, this is such a good question. It's, it's, yeah. I think because I was raised very, very, humble is a good word. Humble is a good word. But I think because I was raised the way I was, that no matter what I was doing, I was 
grateful for whatever I had at the time. Right. So this is just like the frosting on the cake right now. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. I really always felt like I was provided for and taken care of in some way and, you know, thankful for it. And, you know, even when we're living on a farm and I'm, I'm milking a goat and, (laughs) you know, out there hoeing the field or, or, you know, canning something. I think I had that feeling like what I have right now is good. And yeah, sure. There were times when, especially when I was growing up where I would, I, you know, I wanted to take ballet lessons and, my parents said, mm, that's not going to happen, you know, yeah. because of money. Uh, but my father being the inventive guy he was, he built us a little ballet bar, you know, a little uh, bar in, yeah. in the house. And my mother had studied dance, and so she showed me some things. So it's kind of like that necessity is the mother of invention thing. It's yeah. I I always felt like I could find a way to make myself feel satisfied and happy no matter what the circumstance. So, gosh, that's a long answer. No, it's a, it's a beautiful answer. I asked I asked you that question because I feel like one of the things that comes up a lot on this show is a, a sense for people that they don't really deserve to be really happy or yeah. some some issue around you know like why should I follow what I love? I should just go do something Mm. responsible or practical. But Mm. I feel like when you do what you love and you are happy and that it changes your life and you do make a living, a good living doing what you love, you can only be more of a light to the world as you so, so beautifully, you know, you've continued to be gracious and grateful. We wouldn't be getting to experience your beautiful work if you weren't ready to receive what you deserve to receive, you know? Yeah. I really believe that. I'm truly of that mind that without getting too woo-woo on you, but we do bring to us and create what we envision for ourselves. And and I I just I so deeply believe that and I believe we we will get that support that we need from some corner of the universe to make that happen. And it has for us, you know, it didn't happen the way I expected at all. You know, it's so interesting. I feel like this is really also very part of being a French girl because mm-hmm. I feel Maybe. like one one thing that uh, anthropology sort of conveys and your brand conveys is a femininity and mm. the ability for a woman to receive and to feel beautiful and to know what she's worth. Yes, and, and yes. I, I think that we've come into a place where women don't really receive. They try to do for, you know, everyone and, mm-hmm. and don't necessarily allow allow that in. It's interesting, like that sense of self-worth and that, that femininity is almost like this regalness of knowing your worth. And therefore, mm-hmm. yes, of course you can receive and it's fabulous. It's a really feminine attribute, which I think we've lost. And mm-hmm. uh, you just communicated that, like mm-hmm. what you feel you you know, you deserve, you'll attract that to you. I feel that way around your products. Oh, and and nice. Yeah, and around, you know, just walking through the store of anthropology, they're playing mm. the French music and you see the, the garments are so, so much like that. Mm. I find that really interesting. 
Th that was so beautifully said. Thank you for that. I, you know, that was one of my big takeaways from the first time again, or and multiple times in France, was especially observing the young women and teenagers, really. You know, they must have been 14 to 18, maybe. How much of a sense of their self they have, but not in an egotistical part yes. of the way. Yes, you exactly. Feel it. Literally, I could feel that they were emanating, you know, I am a woman or I'm a woman girl or girl woman or whatever, but I'm I'm worth something. Yes. And I I noticed it everywhere. It was like on the beaches, they're hanging out with their friends. Yes. They're yeah, of course they're interested in boys and makeup and whatever, but but there was just something about that. And I I couldn't figure out what it was. And that's what it was. It yeah. was like many, many times we've had um, long cab rides to the airport <laughs> with, you know, people who are uh, drivers. They, you know, they're rapid fire French. They're talking about their grandmother and their, their mother and how things are passed down and how important it is. We've learned so much on those cab rides. I'll have you know, it's yeah, like incredible. But that was one of the things they they said our our way of living, our history, the way we do things. That is so important that it it just gets passed down, and you can feel it. You can truly, truly feel it. Uh, and that I miss about our culture here very much. So, yes, so, yes. Yeah. I think that that's so interesting. I'm so glad that we sort of mm. navigated our way to that piece of it. Um, what, so in summing up, you know, you've, you've built such a beautiful brand, a brand that really, it just makes people feel good and it celebrates women and it celebrates a certain part of the world in such a fabulous way. What is your advice? You, you know, there's people listening mm -hmm. who, who have written, we have thousands and thousands and thousands of listeners and people send mm -hmm. me emails saying, I want to start an Etsy shop or I want to do this or mm -hmm. I want to do that. They would love in their wildest dreams to have an ounce of your success. What, mm -hmm. What's your advice? What do you think are the things that really shaped you along mm -hmm. the way that really made a difference that you would have somebody say, you know what, these are some things I think you should focus on and really pay attention to as you're hoping to build a business doing what you love. Well, you've pretty much encapsulated it right there, doing what you love or what speaks to you. And we all have things that speak to us. We all do. I know people who are so passionate about writing, for example, and they think, oh, you, I can't make a career out of this. But there's so many different avenues to your goal in a way yeah. that's what's what my life has sort of taught me it's like i never ever would have imagined that i would be doing this and at this level this this level of global outreach yet at the same time i always had and i think this is something i can maybe impart to people a little bit i always had a belief that i could figure things out. And that came from my parents. It definitely came from my parents. Uh, if you've got an issue, well, then let's figure it out. You know, I just knew that if I wanted to do something, 
I would eventually do it. It may not take the form that I thought it was going to, but it's almost like it's a path and you, you have to be open to following that path and listening to what's coming into your consciousness about your path. And it's, it's so important that it's just, I can't stress enough how important it is that you believe in yourself because if I had not had that from that very beginning in my childhood, that confidence, that's difficult to get back. But if you can somehow create that space for yourself to believe in yourself and believe that you're, again, we're going back to worth, that your ideas are worth something. They are worth something. Everybody, I I know this from teaching, from years of teaching. It's like, that's how I approached every one of my students. I believed that whatever they were passionate about or interested in, they could do. So mm-hmm. there you have it. That, that's absolutely fabulous. But you talked about um, earlier how your story really played a huge part, you know, your, mm-hmm. your upbringing and how all of this really came together and it really solidified why you started the brand. Mm-hmm. But you also must have had, which mm-hmm. you do, a great product. You know, like mm-hmm. it's not only the story. Yeah. What, if, what if, you know, you have this idea for something, mm-hmm. but the product isn't that <laughs> what do you do? Do you tell those people to give up or do you, do you believe that those people can also get there? They just need to, yeah. what, what do they do? Uh, I have some ideas for that because really we're so fortunate now because there is a world of knowledge out there. So you have something that's not quite right. Maybe you could find someone that could help you with that. Right. Could you find a kindred spirit to work on that with you as a partner? I love that. Yes. Yeah. I, love that. I think you could. I, I really believe that. And I think if things had not gone the way they did go for me, that's what, because I've always been a collaborator. I love to collaborate. I think it comes from music and, you know, being a musician and, and that you do, you have to learn to listen and work with other people. I just feel like there are so many opportunities out there right now. And we're so lucky because we we have the world to connect with now. I used to have to write letters to people. (laughs) to collaborate. What do you think has driven you? I mean, you've Mm. just nonstop. You've Mm. tried this thing and then you followed this next path. What do you think it is? I guess I always knew inside of me that, that I had this way I look at the world, as I said. And I, for me, of course, as I mentioned earlier, the, the tipping point was seeing it manifest really in France, seeing something physical, something real that kind of embodied what my my aesthetic was. And yes, it was the light bulb. It was the yeah. bolt of lightning, you know? Yeah. So that was extremely, extremely helpful. That is what feeds me and keeps me going is that I just had that wonderful epiphany and it just went to the very center of how I like to create things for the world. I love to create. It's, I guess that's it. 
I have yeah. always loved to create things, always, always. So, and it and it gave you a sense yeah. of purpose. It sounds like you really felt purposeful it, about sharing your heritage with the world. Absolutely, absolutely. It's just that's why we wanted and did the tours because it there was this way of life that I thought people could really benefit, you know, from tapping into. Why do you think they could benefit from that? Oh my my my. <laughs> There's something about the European lifestyle that is very different. As you, I don't know if you've ever been to Europe. Uh, yeah, I've been there. Yeah, it's beautiful. So, so you know. It is that people, friends are very important to spend time with. Um, that's why lunches happen and people talk to one another. Yes, of course, they're on their phones, but they're not on their phones at lunch. Yeah. Not in France. No, no, no. You're looking into somebody's eyes and you're you're communicating. And the pace of life um, has to be, it's very different. It's just, even now in this speeded up age, it's very different. Especially in the South, people work hard. I mean, my our friends work hard. They're winemakers and, they're, and they run restaurants and things like that. But they also know how to relax. And, you know, Sunday is sacrosanct. You don't, you're not working on a Sunday. Right. Unless they really know how to enjoy yeah. life. They, they yeah, work yeah. really hard. And then when it's time to stop, they actually live. They don't just cope and hide. Mm-hmm. They really live. They, they wake up and they really in, engage with it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good word, engage, because that's what I miss here. It's because there are so many things that are demanding our attention. It's very difficult to have that actual real yeah. engagement. Yeah. And, and that's what I see there. Um, well, of course, they get five weeks of vacation. Right. You Even know. that says a lot about the culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We don't do that. And no matter how you feel about their, their system of government and the fact that it's that government, you pay high taxes, but you're also your basic and even more ba- than basic needs are provided for. And there is a there's a bit of stress relief in that that we don't have here again. Right. And we're very driven here. We're driven. And it's just makes for a different experience, a different life experience. Yeah. And I do truly miss that that particular kind of thing in my life. It's just fabulous. I love your story. Where can people find you? Where do you want to send people to your website? Do you want to send them to uh, your Etsy shop? Do you want to send them to anthropology? Where can people find you? You may go wherever you wish, my friends. (laughs) Tell us us where to find you. (laughs) Our full full and complete line, of course, is on Etsy and eventually will be on our new website. Our our website will be launching mid-June. So we'll have our full product line on our website as well. And we have limited uh, products at many of our anthro stores we have about eight to ten of our products there so we're not hard to find anymore in fact on our website we've got this great new tool that really allows people to shop local wherever they are so it's a map and wherever you are you put in your zip code and it just lets people know where we are and it's it's such a great 
great thing because we are in a lot of different places that you wouldn't imagine. So awesome. Well, French Girl Organics, here, there you have it. There's the story, how it came to be. It's fantastic. Thank you so much for, for being here. My pleasure. Thank you. Such a fun story. Um, if you guys haven't seen her stuff, go to French Girl Organics and check it out online. Uh, you could also go to Anthropology and just smell the stuff. It's beautiful. All right, takeaways. Number one, it takes time to develop your voice. Hone your skills and make sure your story comes out loud and clear. Be patient. Number two, when you do something you love, you'll be grateful for it, even when things seem all screwed up. Number three, believe that you can always figure things out and you will. Number four, have confidence in yourself. You and your ideas have worth. Number five, live like a European sometimes. Work hard, but enjoy the times when you relax, engage with other people, and be in the present. Okay, that's all for us this week. I'm Kathy Heller. This is Don't Keep Your Day Job. Please tell your friends about it. Please support our sponsors. When you support our sponsors, you are in turn supporting us and getting something back. Talk about us on Instagram. Come to our Facebook group. Let us know what you're doing. Go to No Day Jobs, N-O-D-A-Y-J-O-B-S, nodayjobs.com and sign up so that I can interview you and find out where you're at and keep you guys accountable and inspired and encouraged over the next three months. And then I'll interview you again. Tune in next week. We have Susie here from Susie Cakes and find out how she started one of the most sensational, amazing cupcake chains um, with the most delicious stuff. She'll be here next week. And a couple weeks from now, we have Tice Diorio, who was on So You Think You Can Dance. And then we have Bobby Brown, Bobby Brown Makeup, and she's going to be here. What an incredible ride. Thank you guys for making this community possible. Thank you for stepping out on faith and walking forward in pursuit of what you really want. You are making the world a better place by being the most happy version of you. I'll talk to you next week. I want to give a shout out to the amazing team who makes this show possible. Special thanks to our executive producer, Tim Street, and producer, Emma Kikuchi. The podcast is a production of Authentic. For more info on advertising in this show, visit AuthenticShows.com. 